Michael Nathanson is the chair and CEO of the Colony Group. They are one of the largest and best RIAs or financial firms in the United States. He is a podcaster and author, committed member of his community and family man. Michael, excited to have you back on the show. Well, welcome back. George, it's so great to be back. Always enjoy speaking with you. It's been a couple of years, so refresh our memory. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Great. Well, let's start with mission. Whenever I get in front of our company, I talk about mission, vision, values. I'm going to do the same thing here. And my personal mission is to live my most extraordinary life by helping other people live their most extraordinary life. Um, other things uh, about about me and about why I do what I do and what I do is um, I'm a big believer in legacy. I, I love the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And one of the seven habits of highly effective people is to live your life with the end in mind. And that doesn't mean, um, you know, thinking about the next project and the end of that project. It means actually living your life, thinking about what happens when you die and how will you be remembered and how will you have made the world better? And that's a big part of what motivates me. I try to live extraordinarily. I, uh, as you point out in your introduction, I have a podcast called Seeking the Extraordinary, which is about exactly that. It's about speaking with people who have done extraordinary things and understanding what makes those people tick. Um, I love my work. I love my family, my friends. Um, I've got you know great family, great friends, and uh, I've been a partner at a major law firm. That's what I did. I was a tax lawyer before I became the CEO of a financial services company. Um, I have um, been very active in the brain tumor community. I have a brain tumor myself. It's a it's an inoperable but not cancerous. Uh, so I'm fortunate. I served as the uh, chair of the National Brain Tumor Society for many years. Um, I'm proud that uh, my wife and I have been uh, instrumental in creating four permanent endowments. Philanthropy is very important to us. I'm a third degree black belt in Kung Fu. I am a retired competitive natural bodybuilder, um, and I'm now playing a lot of golf and pickleball. Pickleball, huh? You know, everyone's been talking about it. I, I hear that everyone gets hurt playing it. Yep. Um, I played tennis, uh, you know, in, in my younger days, but I've got an arthritic shoulder and pickleball, it turns out, is a little bit easier on your uh, on your shoulder. So, yeah. So my wife and I have been playing some pickleball lately. I love it. I, too, am a retired tennis player from my younger years, and my wife and I and my boys and soon-to-be little girl have decided to pick up pickleball. So one of these days, I will meet you <laughs> on the court, Michael. It's great. It's great. I mean, I, I'm, also, I'm, I'm also a heck of a ping-pong player. Um, I, I'm a I'm, I'm pretty competitive uh, ping-pong player. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to learn pickleball. It's all the rage, and it's a social thing. And if you really want to know what makes me tick, it's just interacting with other people. I I'm a big believer in interdependence. I love other human beings and uh, and I get energy from other people. I believe that life is the sum of our interaction with other people. And while I, I, I believe in the individual and I believe full wholeheartedly in my ability to do things, uh, I, I recognize and believe what you just said too, that it's all about our, our just 
just the 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 other people and our place in the world and our legacy. Right now, we've got these lightning rod terms like woke and ESG and DEI, and mm-hmm. what started out maybe with the best of intentions is now, for lack of a better term, somewhat perverted. Um, how do you think about building a company and organization in today's world? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Those those terms um, have become um, have become you know bad terms for many people, and uh, and the world has become far too politicized. People staking out territories. Our country has an us versus them kind of mentality, where we actually have people in our country that um, think that the other half of the country are bad people. Um, I try to to steer clear of that. I think it would be a maddening way to live your life and frankly, a sad way to live your life. Um, I'm a political independent, um, not intentionally, but just because that's where I fall. I, I think the Democrats have some things right. I think the Republicans have some things right. And I'm a big Star Wars fan. So I go with the Obi-Wan Kenobi quote from uh, episode three, which is that only a Sith deals in absolutes. And I think that that kind of thinking is absolute thinking. And by the way, yes, I'm mindful that the the expression only a Sith deals in absolutes is in fact an absolute. Uh, so there is some uh, some hypocrisy in that. But the concept stands strong for me. Um, so here's the way I think about it. I think that we, you know, there's a great TED Talk. I'm going to put it in business terms because I think your audience might relate best to it. So there's a great TED Talk by a guy named Martin Reeves. And Martin Reeves is a, he's kind of a big shot at BCG. You know, he's a business consultant. He's been published many times in Harvard Business Review and elsewhere. And I just think he's a brilliant thinker and I'm a big fan of his. And he did a TED Talk and the TED Talk is about, and you can look this up, it's about a 20-minute talk, and it's about understanding what it takes to enter into the rarefied territory of a company that's built to last for 100 years. Now, George, you know how rare it is for a company to last for 100 years. Yes, it does happen, but it's a rare thing to be around for 100 years. And what he points out is that when we think about what it takes to be effectively a resilient company, because you have to be to be around for 100 years, um, he, he, he's, he decided to look for other examples of resiliency. And, and he had the epiphany that why not look to biological systems and think about what it is that makes certain biological systems resilient? And he thought specifically about the human immune system. And um, and what he did was he identified some features of the human immune system, including adaptability, resilience, modularity, this concept that if one part of the system goes down, it's not going to take the rest of the system down, diversity, um, and, um, and, and an important one, embeddedness, this concept that the human, system, human immune system lives inside something bigger, that is the human body. If the human body dies, then the human immune system dies. And this is this concept of embeddedness. And what he points out is that businesses that are able to be adaptable, that are able to have redundancy, modularity, resilience, um, diversity, 
and uh, an embeddedness, a sense of embeddedness, those are the businesses that are best positioned to, to last for 100 years. Now, diversity means something different in terms of the human immune system, but the overall concept behind diversity is what it offers you is the ability to adapt. It offers you different perspective, different ways of going in the co in concept of, of human diversity, different perspectives, different ways to, to, to think about the past, the present, and the future. And it's a strength in the human immune system, and it's also a strength in organizations. So when I think about diversity, sure, there's a social justice element to it. And of course, I, I well, I shouldn't say of course, I personally recognize that social justice element to diversity, the need for fairness, for equity. But for me also, diversity is about being a stronger organization, a more resilient organization, and uh, an organization that can best adapt to changes, not in the environment, but rather in our industry, in our ecosystem, in the in the economy, in our country generally. So I think about diversity as a necessity in that space. And in our industry, uh, there is a lack of diversity. And I think we should be honest about that. And I think we need to be proactive about that. Uh, at our company, we have taken great steps toward greater diversity, and we still feel like we have a long way to go. But it's a process. We talk about it. We're honest about it. And we've built a diversity council. We have a chief diversity officer. We work with consultants. Um, we work with um, people who help us find and sponsor and mentor great diverse talent. But then there's also this sense of embeddedness. And embeddedness for us means understanding that we are nothing without the community around us. After all, the community comprises our clients and it's our employees. It's everybody. So we 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 think about our our, our uh, connection with our community in in the context of thinking about embeddedness we are embedded in something broader and the stronger our community the stronger our industry the stronger our ecosystem the stronger we are ultimately george what i'm saying to you is things like DEI or, you know, we've taken a net positive pledge. This is a pledge to give more to the world than we take. It's that simple. Or another way of saying it is we want to be able to answer affirmatively the question, is the world a better place because our company is in it? We do these things. It's nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with, you know, some kind of, um, you know, preaching or, or anything like that. For us, we believe that ultimately these are critical in terms of our being a 100-year business. We call that a an enterprise. You see, many people think that, well, we're a business. Isn't that great? Well, a business is one thing, a sustainable business that is built to last for decades. That's different from a business. That's an enterprise, and that's what we seek to be. I love it. Thank you. So I, I, I think it's really cool to think about uh, a, a successful organization, enterprise business in terms of a biological system. So I appreciate you walking through all of those steps. I love this idea of and practice of embeddedness. I wrote down you know, back hundreds of years ago, um, like during the Oliver Twist time when just all mm -hmm. of the, all, 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 all of the buildings just 
pumped black smoke into the environment to just wrecked everything. And certainly there's companies that are polluting rivers or used to, and now we're dealing with all of that. And so that's the opposite of that. It's just, we're going to create whatever we're creating at the expense of our environment and, and, and the expense of everything else. And that's not a sustainable future. It's not, George. And I'll give you an example. Us, you see, as part of our net positive pledge. And I think that other companies that might take a similar pledge would approach it differently. And that's fine. Every company should approach these kinds of things the way they think best. For us, we actually surveyed our people and wanted to understand what was most important to our people. And the environment is one of them. And reducing our waste and also our carbon footprint were things that that our people were interested in. And um, and as I think about what you just said, your example about the Oliver Twist days and smoke go you know, coming from from uh, from smokestacks going into the air. Um, well, here's one for you. Do you know that the Colony Group used to produce eight thousand six hundred plastic bottles of waste every year? Mm-hmm. We were going through eight thousand six hundred plastic bottles a year, and 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 when I learned that, I said that that's got to end. Um, and so that's exactly what we've done. We've um, we've shut that down. We're just not buying plastic bottles anymore. And we think that um, that our, our clients hopefully will appreciate that we give them a glass of water if they want a glass of water uh, or a can of soda. Um, we're trying to. These are the kinds of things. You know, what we learned. We learned that we use about fifty-five yards of paper per year. We were using that much paper per year. That's more than half of a football field worth of paper. And and these are the kinds of things that if we just have awareness and we're willing to just understand that, we can actually do something about it. And by the way, we can do that in a profitable way. We can actually save some money. By also just being a little bit more careful about the way we're we're uh, consuming things. Actually, fifty-five yards of paper doesn't really sound like that much for a financial company. <laughs> yeah, but think well. <laughs> this is a company that we're we're. I think we're a very tech savvy company. So many of our people don't ever touch a piece of paper. If you could see my my office, and you you can't you can only see me in in our video, but. If you could see my office, you, other than books, you wouldn't find any paper in here. We have some people, though, that still cling to the whole paper thing. And and that's it's doing something about that makes a difference. And, and by the way, you know, go to a football game and tell me 55 yards doesn't look like a lot. That's a lot of paper. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, in, in the outset that you and your wife are proud to have started four permanent foundations. And that's certainly put in your money where your mouth is and whatever analogy or metaphor you're interested in using. And now you're doing that with your business as well. How do you think about, I mean, there's no solutions. There's there's only trade-offs, right? So when you're making a decision to do one thing and allocate resources towards it, you're saying no to so many other things, if not everything else. And you can't do everything. It's not your job to do everything. I love yeah. surveying your people, but how do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think that what happens at I, I believe that a CEO's job is to reveal the culture, not to set the culture. I know some people think differently about that. I think that CEOs that try to create something in their image, um, I think that's an arrogant way to think about things. And I think a CEO's job is to reveal what already exists. Um, I think the same thing about your question. I think that um, that as we think about our company, um, that's different from what 
what I think about personally. So personally, um, my wife and I, we have a, a, a son who has um, congenital heart disease. And as I just revealed, I myself um, have a, have a, uh, to you earlier, I myself have a, a, a brain tumor. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not cancer. Um, so I'm very fortunate. Three out of four brain tumors are not cancerous. So mine is not, uh, but it is still something that I have to, um, you know, get medical treatment for for life. I'm fine. I'm strong and I intend to live for at least 100 years. Um, but a lot of my passion and my wife's passion is around healthcare. And um, and we also have a lot of passion around uh, around education. Uh, and so two of the endowments that I spoke about are, are, are educational scholarships. Uh, two of them are in the healthcare space. Um, and, um, you know, one around heart disease and one around brain tumors. Um, and, and, and we have an aspiration for also one, um, around, uh, women's rights uh, around the world. And that also relates to some things that are personal to, to my family. Um, but that's it. I don't believe it's 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 appropriate for me to bring those passions to the colony group and have those things be our passions. So our people vote on these things. We have a philanthropy committee. Um, I'm on it, but I don't lead it. And um, our philanthropy committee um, is which which is a broad based committee is responsible for figuring out what our people are passionate about, what their causes are. So some of the things we're looking we're, we're actually working on right now or getting into are, for example, financial literacy, which is something that our people really want to be involved with. Um, and so we so I, I think it's good business, to, you know, to, again, focusing on your question. I think it's good business. Again, this gets back to embeddedness that gets also gets to the values of, of our people and our younger people. And people do want more. It's money matters. Money will always matter. But people come to jobs and stay at jobs, not just for money and not just for benefits. Again, those things have to be good. But ultimately, people stay at jobs because they find purpose and they find connection. Freud said that all we need as human beings is Leben und Arbeiten, uh, love and work. Um, but he didn't mean love as in romantic love, and he didn't mean work as in toiling in the fields. What he meant was connection with other people and purpose. And so I think it's just good business from an embeddedness perspective and also from the perspective of engaging with people and providing purpose to people. Now, our mission, of course, is to provide peace of mind to clients and empower their visions of tomorrow. That will always be our mission. Um, and our vision is to be the leading financial services company in the world for clients and team members who seek meaning and joy in their lives. And those are fundamental. But I think increasingly the way we express our values, our culture um, needs to incorporate this greater connection with the community. I love it. Love and work. Lieben and Arbeiten. And I don't speak German, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering that for anyone in your audience that does speak German. But um, but I am really interested in Freud. I know he's been discredited in many ways, but he also uh, said some just brilliant things and wrote some brilliant things. No, I imagine that it, should one be so inclined to dig into Freud's work and his thinking that it would be 
extremely valuable and enlightening and 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 a very worthwhile thing. So and a I trip too. That. It's you know it's a trip. Reading and Freud is a real trip. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well Michael, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage and yeah. how how do we find the colony group as well? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me thank you, George, for having me back. It's always so, so fun speaking with you, and I enjoy following you on social media as well. Um, people can can learn more about us and me at thecolonygroup.com, and uh, they can also follow me uh, on Twitter. I'm at Nathanson underscore MJ, uh, and, and I'm, I'm on LinkedIn uh, quite regularly. I would also love it if people did check out um, our podcast, which is called Seeking the Extraordinary, which is available on Spotify and Apple and all the the, the places where, where podcasts are. And um, give it a, give it a listen. We've had some really really interesting guests over the years. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Michael your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to thecolonygroup.com and learn more about the organization that Michael is leading up. You can find Michael on Twitter, Nathanson underscore MJ on LinkedIn as well. And then check out the Seeking the Extraordinary podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again, Michael. George, thank you. Bye-bye. Till next time, remember... Do your part by doing your best.